This is Truth and Focus, your radio program for worldview talk and issues that matter, with Josh Cumston and Gordon Teeson, broadcasting from the studio at Nebraska Christian Schools. Welcome to Truth and Focus. I'm Gordon Teeson, along with my co-host, Josh Cumston. We're in the studios at Nebraska Christian Schools, and this morning, Pastor John Prettyman was our chapel speaker. John is the senior pastor or lead pastor at Grace Bible Fellowship in Central City, Nebraska. Welcome to the program, John. Thank you, Gordon. Good to be here. John, you usually do about one chapel a year at least, and so you've done that for many years. But what's special about having you here today is you also have kids that are part of the Nebraska Christian programs. Could you talk a little bit about what you view as the value of a Christian education at Nebraska Christian? Absolutely, Gordon. That's a great question. We have two kids, a sophomore and a junior here at the school, and we really wanted to put them in the school here to get the, the godly influence of the teachers, as well as to promote uh, godly relationships with other kids, give them an opportunity to, to interact with kids who have a similar pursuit as they do, which is to obviously grow in the grace of the Lord and to share the gospel with others. So those were two of our main focuses when we decided to put the kids back into school. John, how did you choose this morning's message to bring to the students? It's something that I've been studying myself, going through the book of Deuteronomy and Psalms, and then something the Lord has been growing me in, in understanding, because we as individuals often struggle with walking away from God's favor or walking out of the umbrella of His blessing, and just to know how to get back into that. I think we live in a world today that, in many ways, in a culture, in many ways, that has lost some of that and doesn't know the way back. God has worked in my heart these things about walking away from him and then just to know uh, steps that I can go through to help me get back into that favor. Again, again, I think our culture is experiencing that today and just doesn't know how to get back. So God worked on me with it and I thought it would be a blessing to the kids. Let's join Pastor John with today's message. Take your Bibles and go with me to Psalms chapter 91. Uh, One of the things that we all experience in our Christian life as we face challenges each day and temptations, difficulties, we all experience the temptation to walk away from the Lord. And it's oftentimes that when we walk away from the Lord, it's, it's very temporary. Our Lord is gracious. He will allow us to walk away from Him for a season and at the end of that season, he always brings us back because he doesn't, want us to, he doesn't want us to get so far away that we end up getting hurt or something really, really bad happens to us. But we're all prone to walking away from the Lord. And when we walk away from the Lord, whether it be falling prey to temptation, getting discouraged, it's interesting that even being discouraged is, is in many ways a way of walking away from the Lord. Doubting, depression, you know, there's a lot of ways in which we walk away from the Lord What's interesting, when we walk away from the Lord, we often find that the most challenging thing is is getting back. It's finding our way back to the Lord. It's like taking a step down, and what Satan does is Satan turns that step into a slide, and what he wants us to do is he wants us to just just fall on that slide and just to to go down into the depths of despair where where we really feel like there's no way we can get out. And we just kind of wander aimlessly in life. In Psalm 91, Moses is the author of this psalm. And he writes during a time where the children of Israel are just coming out of a 40-year slump, if you will. A 40-year wandering away from God. 
They're getting ready to enter the promised land. Moses is getting ready to die. And Joshua's getting ready to take over and lead the, lead the children of Israel into the promised land. And Moses writes these instructions. And I've, I've entitled this this morning, The Roadmap Back into God's Favor. And when you think about the promised land, the promised land was a picture to the children of Israel of God's favor. A God's favor could have actually been considered a place in the Old Testament. And once they reached that place, they were considered to be in God's favor. We know now, and even then, God's favor is not necessarily specific to a place, but more specific to a relationship. But Psalm 91 and Deuteronomy 30 will be our main two places that we'll look this morning. And what I want to do is I want to just give you five or six things that are kind of a roadmap to how can I, if, if I've strayed away from the Lord, if I've become discouraged, if I've fallen into sin, moral sin, emotional sin, whatever that sin might be, how can I, how can I come out of that? How can I get back into God's favor? If you can remember the children of Israel's 40-year wandering, man, God was with them, but there were certain things that were missing that should have been true about the children of Israel, but they weren't. You see the children of Israel often in bondage, again, aimlessly wandering. You see them fearful. You see them doubting. You see them discouraged. You see a lot of things about God's people that shouldn't be true. And the reason is because, that yes, while God was with them, there was something about his favor that was missing. And we experience that in our daily lives as well. And we experience that as we grow old. We experience that walking away and, and the loss of that favor and then the getting, getting that back. So follow along with me. I'm going to read the entire chapter of Psalm 91. And again, this is Moses writing, and he's telling the children of Israel, he's telling them, how can you return back into God's favor? Really preparing them for that reality. Beginning in verse 1, the Bible says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my strength. My God in Him I will trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side. And 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. You shall tread amongst the lions and the cobra, the young lions and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high, because he has known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation." What we see in this portion of Scripture in this psalm, again, compatible and comparable and a parallel to Deuteronomy 30, if you want to read that in your convenience, we see Moses is telling the children of Israel how to experience God's protection again, 
how to experience God's blessing again, how to experience God's favor again. Go back, do put a hand here and turn to Deuteronomy 30. Hold a a finger in each passage or put a little note or whatever you might do. Deuteronomy 30 and verse 5, the Bible says, Then the Lord your God will bring you to the land which your fathers possessed, and you will possess it. He will prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, that you may live. Verse 9 the Lord your God will make you abound in all the works of your hands and the fruit of your, of your body and the increase of your livestock and in the produce of your land for good. For the Lord will again rejoice over you for good as he rejoiced over your fathers. And then you come back to Psalm 91 and what you see is you see a, lit, a litany or a list of all of God's blessings, all of God's favor being poured out on the children of Israel. When you think about God's favor in, in, in your life, when, you, when I think about God's favor in my life, when I think about God's favor in the lives of the children of Israel, I think of it from the realm of protection, provision, having the things that we need. And not only having the things that we need, but in the, in the case of the children of Israel, having the things that we want that are healthy for us. Having God's guidance and God's comfort and God's peace in your life. And when you can go through your day and you can make decisions and you can do the things that you know are the right things to do, and you can feel peace in your heart, like Philippians talks about, a peace that passes all understanding, that's when you know that you have the favor of God in your life. When God's hand is on you, when literally you're walking through life and you're walking and you know that you have a companion there with you, and he's guiding you each step of the way. And I know I was a teenager once. It's getting further and further away. I sometimes feel like I still am, but I'm, I know I'm not. I just have to go out and play basketball with my son, and I'm quickly reminded of the fact that I'm not a teenager anymore. But I remember those days. I remember the turmoil in my mind and in my heart. I I was able to put on a good show on the outside. I made everybody believe that I was something special, that I had it together, that, man, there was a calmness about me. There was a a confidence about me. There There was an arrogance about me. But deep down inside of my heart, I was just torn up. And God's favor wasn't on me. And I knew it, and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to get there. No one share with me, how can I get to that place where I have peace in my heart? And that's what I want for you guys today. And that's what Moses wanted for the children of Israel. He wanted them to have that favor of God. He wanted them to have that peace. He wanted them to have that calm. He wanted them to have confidence. Not an earthly, temporary confidence, but a true, solid confidence. A confidence in Christ. So I want to, give you, I want to just give you some things real practical here. And I want you to, if you're taking notes, write these things down. You'll notice these things in our text. Remember that the target, the goal is to be in God's favor, to experience his blessing. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with desiring to experience God's blessing. And when we think of God's blessing, again, it's, it's a number of different things. But we, we should desire God's blessing to be in our lives, God's favor, God's hand to be upon us. Back in Psalm 91, you'll notice, first of all, favor with God is a result of closeness to God. He talks about over and over again in, in Psalm 91 the idea of being in God's presence all the time. Imagine God's favor like this. God's favor, like Canaan, is a place. In, in other words, it would almost be like it's raining outside and there's a great storm coming and there God is standing there and he has an umbrella. And that umbrella extends to a certain distance. And as long as you stay inside of that umbrella, you're protected. The rain isn't going to hit you. The storm isn't going to affect you because you're protected by that umbrella. Once you start to wander outside of that umbrella, all of a sudden the rain starts to hit you, doesn't it? All of a sudden the storm starts to affect you. All of a sudden the storm starts to cause problems in your life because you, you have wandered outside of the umbrella of God's favor. 
So what does the psalmist say? What does Moses say to the children of Israel first and foremost? He says, get close to God. Get close to God. And the closer you can get to God, the Christian life is very much this way, kids. The closer you can get to God, the more you'll feel his favor. I thought of the principle of like a furnace or a heater in the middle of the winter, a fireplace. When you're in the middle of the winter and you're cold and, you ha- and there's no heat there and there's a furnace and, and you can get closer. And I, I remember sitting around fireplaces and, and bonfires this last year. And the closer you get, the more you feel that radiant heat. It's the same thing with God's blessing. When we get close to God, when we walk near him, the more we're going to feel his favor. The more we're going to feel his blessing. And so we need to pursue this idea of getting close to God, of, of passionately pursuing closeness with him. James 4 and verse number 8, the Bible says, draw near to God. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Dwell in the secret place. Make your abode there. Make your home in the secret place of the Lord. This is referring to the Holy of Holies. This is the most sacred place. This is where the Lord dwells. This is where the Lord lives. In the Old Testament, the only person that was able to enter was the, was the high priest. And in the New Testament, the Lord, the Lord tears it open so that all might enter that come through Christ and come in Christ. Make your dwelling place in the Holy of Holies. Go down verse number 9 of this passage. It says, Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. You've made the Lord your dwelling place. And then watch this. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your... What's the next word? Neither shall any plague come near your dwelling place. Again, he's not referring to the fact that you're going to be protected from any plague because of of you, but you're going to be protected from any plague because of who you're near. The safety comes and the favor comes because you're close to God. And as long as your dwelling place is close to God, you can know that you're going to be safe. No, as it says here in the text, no evil will befall you as long as you're dwelling close to the Lord. So the first thing that he says is, and and I think we should pursue as Christians, is a closeness to the Lord. Now, how do we get close to the Lord? Okay, how do we get God's favor? Being close to the Lord. How do we get close to the Lord? Well, the text tells us we get close to the Lord by being obedient to him. By obeying him, by keeping his commandments. Back in Deuteronomy 30, three or four times the Bible says in the text, verse 2, And you return to the Lord your God and obey his voice according to all that I command you today, and you and your children with all your heart and with all your soul. Down towards the end of the chapter, verse 20, That you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days. And the New Testament talks about the same thing. If we love the Lord, we will keep his commandments. And his commandments will not be grievous to us, will not be difficult to us. Remember this, okay? Some people view the commandments of the Lord as like a prison. It's like bondage, all right? Imagine a set of cones on the highway today. You're going to drive home, and you're going to see a set of of yellow cones or orange or whatever color they are. And you decide that those cones are there to to put you into bondage, and you're not going to be in bondage. So you drive outside of those cones and you race through them and you end up in the ditch somewhere. The reason you did that was because you saw the cones as bondage. And you were not going to be in bondage. On the other hand, you, you drive home today and you see those cones and you say, those cones are there to protect me. Those cones are there to guide me. Those cones are there to keep me out of the ditch. So therefore, I'm going to obey those cones. 
I'm going to submit to that guidance that's there. The Bible says that God's commandments and God's laws are written for us as a guide. To those who are unsaved and lost, they will be seen as a bondage. They'll be seen as something that's negative. To those who are believers, followers of Christ, the rules and the commandments of the Lord are seen as a blessing. They're there to help us. They're there to guide us. They're there to keep us from danger. And as we walk in obedience to the Lord, we draw closer to Him. Okay? As we walk in obedience to the Lord, we draw closer to Him. And the closer we draw to Him, we experience His, his favor, right? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm going to continue here. Obedience is not the only foundation to getting close to the Lord. Okay, it is pivotal if you want to get close to the Lord. James 4 and verse, we read it a minute ago, James 4 and verse 8, the Bible says, draw nigh unto me and I will draw nigh unto you, right? The end of that verse says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. So how do we draw close to the Lord? We draw close to the Lord by obeying his word, by obeying his commandments. You say, I want to be close to the Lord Pastor John, I want to experience his favor. I want to be safe. I want to be successful. I want to have stability in life. I want all of the things that God offers, but I don't want to obey his word. You're trying to undermine God's roadmap for his favor, and you can't do it. God has laid out for you very, very clearly and plainly how to experience his favor. And unless you follow the roadmap, you'll never experience God's favor. And that's the danger. God has laid it out clearly. Obedience leads to closeness with God. What leads to obedience? Loving God leads to obedience. In each one of these phases, in Deuteronomy 30, he says this, Love the Lord your God first, and then obey Him. Love God and obey Him. Love God and obey Him. Guys and girls, If we're going to experience the the favor of God, we've got to start off by getting close to Him. We get close to Him by obeying Him, and we obey Him because we love Him. It's been said that love without obedience is vanity, and obedience without love is legalism. And neither one of them are going to get you close to God. It is necessary. As a matter of fact, the commandment to love God is in the Scriptures, is it not? The first and the greatest commandment of all is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. We have to love God if we're going to experience his favor. The love of God is what causes us to be obedient. Deuteronomy 30, several times in the text it says, love God, obey him. Love God, obey him. It begins with love. Those people and those things that you love the most are those are the things that you're willing to be submissive in those things. Okay? I've often said this, and I'm a sports fanatic. I love sports. something that I grew up loving, and I still love them today. And I'm amazed at the way our culture is and how it is in love with sports. Our culture is in love with sports. And what's interesting is this. What a coach will get away with with his players, no parent would ever get away with it. No teacher would ever get away with it. Right? You know why? Because we love it. And when we love it, we're willing to do whatever it takes to succeed at it. And when you love God as you ought, when you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, when you love God as you ought, you will do whatever it takes to get close to him. 
to be underneath that umbrella of his favor, to feel his presence in your life, to walk closely to him. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. We need to fall in love with God again. We need to fall in love with God again. You know what? You do not have to think about obedience if you've got the love. You don't have to think about it. It's not something that you have to dwell on. It's not something that you have to focus on in life. As long as you love something or someone, you don't have to think about obedience. You'll just simply do it. It actually automatically creates the next. And throughout this whole process, remember the goal is to be in favor with God. And each step along the way, you don't have to think about the next step as long as you do the previous step. You see, a lot of people are trying to get in favor with God by obeying his law and not loving him. There's a problem with that, isn't there? That is not what's going to create results. That's not what's going to cause us to be close to God. We must obey him, but we must obey him because we love him. Look at the end of this chapter, Psalm 91. He says in verse 14, Because he hath set his love upon me. You'll notice the pronouns here in this text. The last pronoun is capital M in most versions of the Bible because here's the context. And I read that initially and I thought, you know, because God has set his love upon me, I'm going to be in his favor. And that's not what it says. What it says is this, because you have set your love on God, because you have set your focus on God, because you have set your heart on God, then you are in his favor. We must set our hearts on God. We must love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. The Bible says in John 14, 23, Jesus answered and said to him, If any man loves me, he will keep my words or my commandments, and my Father will love him, and he will come unto me and make our abode with him. God wants our hearts. And I say this and I move on. God wants our hearts more than he wants our hands because he knows if he has our hearts, he'll also have our hands. Remember that. God wants your heart more than he wants your hands because he knows if he has your hearts, he'll have your hands. Now, the last thing this morning, the last step is how do you fall in love with God? How do you fall in love with God? And I'm going to submit to you that the way that we fall in love with God is very simple, and it's very similar to how we fall in love with anything. And the word is sacrifice. Sacrifice is what causes us to fall in love with God. You'll notice that back in Deuteronomy 30, the Bible says in verse 1, And it came to pass, when all these things came upon you, the blessings and the curse which I had set before you, and you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God drives you, and you return to the Lord your God and obey his voice according to all that I command you today, you and your children and all your heart and with all your soul. In other words, they had to sacrifice what they had before. Let me say this to you. The Christian life is full of sacrifice. Think about a husband and a wife relationship. The way that a husband falls in love with his wife is by learning how to sacrifice for her. And the more he learns to sacrifice and the more he gives up for his wife, the greater his love is for her. And the more we give up for things, sports, again, we go back to sports, the more we give up for sports, the more we love them. The more we sacrifice for the Lord, the more we're going to be in love with him. Here's the thing. Where, where the battle is is Satan wants your heart. Satan wants your desires. Satan wants the things that you love to be his things because he will always keep you out of God's favor if he can do that. In Deuteronomy 30, towards the end of the chapter, he says this, But if your heart turns away 
so that you do not hear or are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you will surely perish. In other words, again, the battle is for the heart. What is Satan working on? Satan is working on keeping you from God. And there's two pictures of that, very simple. In your Christian life, you're moving forward. Your goal is to get close to God, right? That's your goal. That's your motivation. If I get close to God, I'm going to be in his favor. And there are two things that are trying to stop you. There are sins. And what those sins are, Satan has a plan for those sins, and they're just holding you back. You can picture in your mind, you're running forward, and somebody else is holding you back. And then there are stumbling blocks. And stumbling blocks are those things that are put in front of you. And I want you to think about this for a moment. A stumbling block is simply an idol. Okay? If something is between you and God, meaning that it's before God, here's your priorities. Here's me. Here's God. Whatever comes in here is an idol. It means it's taking the place of where God should be. These are called stumbling blocks in the Christian life. Self-righteousness is one of them. Religion is one of them. A lot of things that we place in front of God, good works can be one of them. Those things are stumbling blocks. They will keep you from getting close to God as well. Then you have those sins that are holding you back. They're pulling back on you. They will also keep you from getting close to God. You runners, you know exactly what it's talking about. When you get out there and you run in a race, my kids have been talking to me about getting lighter shoes. My shoes are too heavy, Dad. Okay? They want lighter shoes. Why? Because they don't want anything to hold them back. You need to remember this. Satan is doing everything he can to hold you back from getting close to God. The Bible tells us in Romans 12 and verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Listen to me. Each day of your life, as you grow in sacrifice, ask yourself the question, and you can talk about this afterwards, when's the last time I gave up something because it was keeping me from getting close to God? We do it mentally, and we think, okay, I gave that up. I'm talking about physical, tangible stuff. That was either a stumbling block or a sin, and it was keeping us from getting any closer to God than we were, and we said, I'm done with that. Folks, we wonder why we're not falling more in love with God. It's because we're not willing to give anything up for him. And then we wonder why we don't obey him more, and then we wonder why we're not close to him, and then we wonder why we're not in his favor. Hebrews 12 and verse 1, the Bible says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us or ensnare us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. Matthew 13, the, the parable of the kingdom, the Lord says, If a man finds a pearl of great price, he will go and he will sell all that he has so that he can have that pearl. You don't get the pearl without selling all that you have. You don't follow Jesus without turning your back on all other things. The Bible says a man who loves his father and his mother more than me is not worthy of me. A man who loves his brothers and sisters more than me is not worthy of me. A man who loves his life more than me is not worthy of me. A man who loves riches more than me is not worthy of me. A man who loves religion more than me is not worthy of me. In all reality, if you love anything more than God, it is an idol. And it will keep you from getting close to him. Then we go to John 15, and I close simply this. John 15 says this. This is the New Testament principle of this passage of Scripture. Abide in me, and you will bear much fruit. And this is the last verse. I want you to think about this. This is what I want you to think about as you leave. Moses says this to the children of Israel, that you may love the Lord your God, Deuteronomy 30 and verse 20, that you may obey his voice, and that you 
may cling to him. I want you to meditate on that simple phrase. Imagine in your mind a little child holding on to his daddy's leg. And all the forces of this world are not going to be able to pull that child from his daddy's leg. And guys and girls, that's what I challenge you with this morning. When you're able to get close to God, when you're able to feel his presence near you, when you're able to know his favor and his blessing in your life and feel the comfort and the peace that only God can give, grab on and never let go. You've been listening to a message by Pastor John Prettyman at Grace Bible Fellowship in Central City, Nebraska. Well, this wraps up the program today. You've been listening to Truth and Focus. For my co-host, Josh Cumston, this is Gordon Thiessen. Thanks for joining us as we encourage, engage, and equip Christians in today's culture war while bringing the truth in focus. Mm-hmm.